Most people don't like it when somebody asks them to go above and beyond the job they're expected to do. After all, that's, that's not my job. It's not in my job description. I shouldn't have to do more. It's not what I signed up for. And so we resent it when other people imply that we ought to do more, that we should do more. Or maybe we're one of those people who, who've done most of the things. You know, we've, we've got this checklist maybe of, of what makes up a good citizen. Well, I vote. I pay my taxes. I support the military. Maybe I don't do everything possible, but I do enough to be considered a good citizen. And when people imply or ask me to do more or say that I should do more, well, I get frustrated. Aren't I doing enough already? I don't have time for that. Isn't that what we hire other people and ask the professionals to do for us? See, it's easy to begin to have a privileged and, dare I say, lazy mindset slip into our hearts as we want to do nothing more than the absolute minimum. We're, we're that guy that sees a tree on the road and drives the line around it because it's not my job to move it. So we do the minimum possible, the bare minimum in our marriage, in our parenting, even in our faith life. After all, don't I do enough? I check off enough of the boxes. I show up to worship. I, I put my money in the offering plate. I read my Bible, I show up week in and week out, I dress right, I act right, I try and say the right things. It's not my job to go and share my faith with others. That's what missionaries and evangelists do. It's not my job to go and take care of the poor and the hungry and the hopeless. That's what we have a food bank and a clothes closet for and, and I donate to that. Isn't that enough? It's not my job to go and visit the sick and the shut-in. That's what we pay the pastors for. It's not my job to teach my children or my grandchildren the faith. That's what we have a school for and a youth director and confirmation for. Isn't that what we pay the, the professional Christians to do, to take care of those things? See, for a long time, we've defaulted to the specialists, letting professionals do things. Our culture has taught us that if we're not an expert or if it's not in our specific job description, then we shouldn't have to do it. We shouldn't bother to do it. Partly because what if you fail? What if you don't know how to do it? What if you don't measure up? It's not your job. And so we, we live in this fear that we just won't be able to, to do things right. We're worried that we'll end up looking incompetent or incapable. But the reality is that every one of us at many different points in our life have been there. We've all had to learn new tasks and new things. We had to learn how to drive, how to cook, how to read, how to write, how to walk, how to talk. We all had to learn new skills. You had to learn different skills and jobs and tasks for your different vocations in life. We've all been there. But I don't think any one of us would ever have said that we shouldn't learn how to drive. That's why we went and were a student driver at some point, because we valued the freedom of going from place to place. None of us would say that we shouldn't learn how to cook, because we all valued not being stuck on the college menu of Easy Mac and grilled cheese. We all like to have more food than, than just those things. 
See, none of us would say that we shouldn't drive because we don't have a professional driver to drive us around. None of us would say that we shouldn't eat because we don't have a a chef in our homes to cook for us. See, and yet we let that same mentality tell us that we shouldn't do the things of ministry. We shouldn't share the gospel because we're not professionals, because we're not the ones who have the training. And so it's not my job to share my faith with outsiders because I might not have the right answers. It's not my job to teach the grandkids or the the people I sponsored as a baptismal sponsor or my, my friends and my colleagues because what if I just don't know the answer? What if I don't know? See, as God's people, we've resented in some ways the idea that it's our responsibility to do all these different things, these tasks of ministry. And I think it's because we've started speaking about the church as a place of of membership. See, if you're a member in a place, you expect to be served. You kind of have this country club mentality. I, I come to the country club for the leaders to do things for me, to have people bring out the food, to bring me the warm towel, to clean up after me. And so we've left it up to the leaders, the, the pastors and the youth workers, to do all the work of ministry. But the church is not a country club filled with members. It's the body of Christ. It's a community of God's people gathered together who are all integral, who are all a part of, of glorifying God and spreading his kingdom and sharing that with, with others. But you see, because we've lived this way for so long, because the church has acted like a, a country club for the better part of a hundred years, we as God's people aren't prepared to teach new Christians how to read the scriptures. We aren't prepared to share our faith when we're out in our daily lives. We don't know how to answer the hard questions or how to live and continue in our faith with other people when there isn't an easy answer to the question. See, we began to think that, that all we needed to know is that Jesus loves us and that he wants us to love other people. You know, John 3.16, which, which is great and that's important. But simply knowing Jesus loves you is not the end of discipleship or growing as a Christian. There's more to it than just that. See, this mentality of it's not my job creates a a bottleneck effect where the only people sharing their faith are the the trained professional Christians, the the pastors and the youth workers, Pastor Loring and myself and, and Angie, or the people who are missionaries or Lutheran school teachers. But not everyone is called to be a pastor or a Lutheran school teacher or a youth worker. Not everyone is called into those vocations. And if it's left up to just us, well, not ever, we don't always have the same ability to have contact with some of the people that you come in contact with in your daily lives. We're, we're not in your workplaces. We don't have those relationships with those people. See, not everyone is called to this professional role in the church, but every one of us, every Christian, is called, as First Peter notes, to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. But to give an answer for the hope that you have, you have to know the hope you have. You have to know the God you believe in and the hope that he gives you. You have to be prepared to share that good news. 
So we have to know the God we believe in and every one of us is called to grow in our love and knowledge of God. See, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he answered by saying that it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's a command for each of us to use both our, our bodies and our intellects in following God. So you know what you do with something you love? I want you to think about what you love in this world. Maybe, maybe you're a, a car guy, and so you know all the different makes and models of sports cars. Or maybe, maybe you're someone who, who loves a particular musician, and so you know all of their albums. You know every Elvis Presley song or every Beatles song there ever was. Or maybe you're a knitter and you know every, everything about knitting. I don't know anything, so don't ask me those questions. Or maybe, maybe you're unfortunately a Buckeyes fan. Or maybe you're, 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 you're in the right place and you're a Wolverines fan. And, and so you know all their championships. You know all of, all of their players and everything that, that's ever happened in their school history. See, when you love something, you talk about it, you learn about it, you know it, you rejoice in it, and you celebrate it. Unfortunately, I have to deal with, with you celebrating the Buckeyes a lot more lately, but, but that's just the way it goes. But you see, we, if, if everyone here in this church loves Jesus and knows Jesus and wants to celebrate Jesus and talk about Jesus, then the people in this community who hear about Jesus, who know Jesus, will be greatly multiplied. Because if, if everyone in this congregation who came to worship this week shared their faith or shared about Jesus when the opportunity presented itself with just two people in the next month, two people, then roughly 700 to 800 people would have a conversation about Jesus or about faith or about the hope they have. That doesn't mean that they'll come to church. We don't control whether or not they are given faith. That's up to the Holy Spirit but we can control the conversations we have. But if everyone in the pews shared with just two people, between 700 and 800 people would hear about Jesus. If you left it up to the professionals, just Pastor Loring, myself, and Angie, I can guarantee you no matter how hard we tried, there's no way in the next month we could reach 700 to 800 people who have not set foot in this church. We just don't have time. We have enough other responsibilities. We're not out there enough. We don't have contact with some of the people that you have contact with in your daily vocations. You see, if you leave it to the professionals, then it's not going to spread like wildfire. Instead, it's going to be bottlenecked, limited to the few people we have time to get in touch with or who walk in these doors. You see, when you look at the book of Acts, we learn that nearly that the early church succeeded and grew because the regular, ordinary, everyday people kept on living out their faith and sharing it wherever they went with whoever they talked to. Sure, the growth of the church was helped by the apostles when they went to different towns and places, but frequently when they went there, they met other believers who had already gone there, and they encouraged them and, and helped them grow. Or they, they went to places where people had already heard at least of Christianity because of, of others who had gone, regular, ordinary, everyday Christians who had gone and, and couldn't stop talking about, sharing and celebrating Jesus and, and what he had done for them. You see, every one of us can do that. Every one of us is called to do that. It is our job. And when we do that, when we live out our hope and our faith, other people will notice and we have to be prepared to give an answer, to share with others what we have received. 
See, I've noticed something in the church, that, that we have this tendency to lift up the apostles, to hold them in this, on a pedestal. And for good reason. They, they wrote the New Testament. They, they got to walk with Jesus. They did some amazing things. But we forget, we frequently forget that in the Gospels, the apostles frequently didn't get it. They, they metaphorically speaking, got the slap in the back of the head, you know, like from Gibbs on, on NCIS. Are you still so dull? Do you still not understand? Have I been with you so long and you still don't understand what Jesus is about? You know, that was his question to the disciples. And even after the Holy Spirit had come on Pentecost, we hear in Galatians how Peter was rebuked by Paul because he started to turn back and wanted to make those old divisions between Jew and Gentile once again. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about his own struggle against sin. See, they were ordinary people. Sometimes in the church, it's easy to hold up a pastor and and say, well, pastor, I can't do what you do. You have this different training. You have all this knowledge. You know the scriptures way better than I do. I can't do what you do. But pastors and apostles, prophets and the, the heroes of the faith, they're all regular, ordinary people just like each and every one of us. See, as we look at today's lesson in Acts, as the disciples begin to give their defense to the Jewish court, the Jewish leaders notice something about the apostles. It says in verse 13 that they realized that they were common, ordinary, uneducated men. They didn't have the fancy education or theological training like all the professionals on the council. What they had, what the apostles had, was they had spent time following Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus, listening to Jesus, learning from Jesus, putting Jesus' words into practice. See, remember that most of the apostles were fishermen by trade. They weren't looked upon as men of great intellect or refined debate skills. Uh, Fishermen in their day were kind of seen as like fishermen in our day. They're the ones you'd expect to curse like a sailor, uh, maybe be a little rough around the edges. They're people just like us, where we have our rough edges and our broken places. It's important for us to remember that. So we realize that God can and wants to use you and me for his glory. It's not someone else's job to proclaim the kingdom. It's our job. See, God doesn't need you to be the the smartest person in the room. He doesn't need you to be the the most powerful or the richest person. He doesn't need you to have all the answers or to have read all the books. God doesn't need you to be perfect, to work through you. All you need to proclaim God's grace is a teachable heart and a willing voice. A teachable heart and a willing voice. And then God will empower you through his Holy Spirit that Holy Spirit that now dwells in you since your baptism. And that's the same Holy Spirit that was in Peter and John in this story in Acts as they fearlessly proclaimed the gospel, silencing the religious leaders, those who had all the training. It was the same Holy Spirit that dwells in Peter and John that enabled them to heal a crippled and broken man and enabled him to walk so that people could not refute what had happened and enable them to courageously proclaim the gospel message. But how do we grow in that power? How do we make ourselves more available for God to use? Well, remember what the Sanhedrin noticed about Peter and John. See, they had been with Jesus. When we spend time in the gospels, we listen to Jesus. We learn to follow him. We hear him. We walk with him. 
and we begin to put his words into practice. See, when we step out in faith and courage, because we know talking about our Savior is our job, it's everyone's job, not someone else's, then God will empower us. God will use us. God doesn't need us to be any different than we are. He doesn't need you to change who you are to use you. What you need to be used by God is to be with him in prayer and worship, to listen to his words in scripture, and to keep your eyes open for where God is giving you the opportunities to serve his kingdom. And I believe that God is making those opportunities, providing those opportunities for each and every one of us every day. What he needs us to realize, what he needs you to realize is that if you were baptized, then it is your job as much as it is mine as your pastors to proclaim the gospel, to share the good news with those around you. So as God's people, no matter whether or not you have a GED, a PhD, a degree in street smarts, or anything else in this life, God wants to work through you to share the good news about Jesus Christ, and it is your job. See, we as God's people, we proclaim the same message as the apostles, that there is salvation found in no other name than Jesus. We proclaim that same truth, and God will enable us. See, we as those who have experienced the good news of Jesus Christ, whose lives have been transformed, it's now our job, it's our responsibility to share that good news with our children and our grandchildren, with our families and friends, with our neighbors and coworkers when the opportunity presents itself. Because if you wait for the, the professionals to do it, well, we may not get around to it. What if we are heading to the other 799 before we get to that person? Or maybe we don't have the right to speak into that person's lives that, that you do as someone who has been there with them through the thick of it. Or maybe by the time we get there, the opportunity to speak grace into their lives has already passed. See, you as God's people empowered by the Holy Spirit need to seize that opportunity in that moment. After all, proclaiming and sharing the good news, it is everybody's job. So as God's people, as we, as we leave this place empowered by his Spirit, filled with God's grace, may each and every one of us share the good news in our words, in our actions, with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.